Hello listeners, this is Matt from Uncanny Treks, and I want to take a moment to tell you about our brand new Patreon at patreon.com slash uncannytreks. On our Patreon, we offer lots of exclusive content in multiple tiers, including access to our brand new Patreon-exclusive podcast, X-Men 92 vs. Young Justice. On this podcast, we follow the same format as B5 vs. DS9, but with an entirely new focus on reliving the nostalgia of 90s X-Men animated series and comparing it to the fast-paced action of Young Justice. Both of these animated series have recently been renewed for new seasons, so we felt it was a great time to return to these two comic book-based properties. If you're interested in subscribing, please visit us at patreon.com slash uncannytreks, and you can always reach out to us on Twitter at uncannytreks. Enjoy the show, and as always... Thank you for listening. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the galaxy's most retro-futurist podcast, Legion of Superheroes versus Star Trek Strange New Worlds. I am Bob in Cascadia. That is Matt in the Southland. How you doing tonight, Matt? Oh, doing, doing pretty well, Bob. Uh, some interesting episodes here. Uh they're going to be us for some surprises this week, some some very big surprises. <laughs> I don't know. I, I felt like, I mean, not to disrespect the episode, but I felt like I saw the surprises coming from a mile away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's pretty straightforward this week, but <laughs> I think you're going to be you're going to have some surprises from this podcast, from my opinion, oh, oh, on these oh, episodes. So the- the yeah. real suspense is in the recap podcast, not in the episode itself. That's right. <laughs> That's right. Stay tuned. So we're here talking uh, Fear Factory, which is Legion of Superheroes Season 1, Episode 6. Uh, it originally aired on the 18th of November, 2006. And then we're going to talk Season 1, Episode 6 of Star Trek Strange New Worlds, Lift Us Where Suffering Cannot Reach, which originally aired on the 9th of June, 2022. And Matt, I just have to say that uh, when I saw that title on the episode list, I was like, oh man, maybe this will be the bad episode of Strange New Worlds. Yeah, his uh, episode title did not set this off on the right foot. Yeah, yeah. That said, I actually, uh, I, I, I would uh, continue to say Strange New Worlds, no bad episodes so far, but we can maybe argue about that further down if you want. So let's start with Legion. All right. Walk us through that A plot. In the A-plot of Fear Factory, Bob, the Legionnaires' movie night of Alien, a.k.a. Mutants Among Us Part 8, gets interrupted by their sighting of a seemingly haunted space station in a cosmic storm where they all must confront their greatest fears. Indeed, indeed. So uh, we do learn that uh, Bouncing Boy is a big horror movie buff, seems to be a big horror movie buff of 20th century movies in particular, and we also learn that his fear reaction is to ball up, uh, both of which I found kind of amusing. Yeah, he's uh, that's, that's his fear stance. I mean, that's it's it, it's one of those things that's kind of natural once you think about it, but I certainly had not thought about it. Yeah, that's pretty creative on their part. But, you know, he is a horror movie buff, and like you said, it's like movies that, you know, we're akin to, you know, stuff that's re- that, not recent, but, in, you know, in, like you said, in the 20th century. I don't know, do they not have better movies in the future? Uh, I would say, judging uh, about how American cinema is rapidly dying, probably no, they don't. Um, <laughs> so like, Alien was like the last best horror film that uh, we're, we're going to have. We'll be watching it in the year 20, whatever, 25, whatever this is. I think so. I mean, like, I regularly teach Alien and the Thing uh, in my science fiction classes, and my, my students, like, really fucking love those movies. Like, I get a lot of papers about Alien and the Thing. I get a lot of papers about Alien and the Thing, even when I don't assign them and you know, so we're what 
basically 40 years on from both of them. Right. Uh, so I, I think, I don't think these are going to be like the universal movies, which as much as I love them, you know, are mostly watched now for kind of camp factors. I think, you know, people are still going to find alien and the thing unsettling for centuries to come. Damn. You heard it here from Bob, Bob getting those, uh, professor ratings up there with his, uh, movie time. <laughs> Sadly, they uh, they took away the uh, the chili peppers on the rate my professor profile. <laughs> go, on. y'all go home and y'all watch Alien. Get back with me next week. <laughs> All right, Professor Bob. So, uh, did you like uh, Igor slash Renfield's multi eye design? Yeah, having the aliens on the station also represent kind of like monsters but in an alien design i thought it was kind of cool i mean i thought i like the way that they did there uh you know because it was igor the obvious that was, he was looking what he's supposed to look like but then he had yeah. more than one eye so he was an alien i was like okay <laughs> i see what you did there everything is better with more eyes matt i think yeah. that's the rule now i don't understand why why was the station called Quavermass, bob Quavermass 12 um, I believe it's a reference to a British uh, TV show that was later turned into movies called Quatermass. Quatermass. It's spelled with a T instead of a V. And so it's, you know, it's kind of like Quiver, kind of like Quatermass. Um, they're actually, like, really good. They're kind of, like, weird science fiction, very much, like, kind of forerunners of, like, the thing where, like, this, uh, this scientist has to investigate, like, these mysterious alien objects. That said, you might find them a little slow because they're like BBC serials. So if I'm remembering <laughs> right, they tend to go like four to six hours. Um, wow. Yeah. Thanks for pointing out my AD, ADD on here, Bob. I appreciate that. <laughs> hey, man, I, I, I'm just trying to I'm just trying to look out for you. The, yeah. the films are actually like more humane towards contemporary uh, attention spans. But I don't think they're quite as good as the TV series, so it's kind of an interesting trade-off. But the the Quatermass was probably the biggest influence on Doctor Who, though. All I know is I want this station to be like a ride at at Disney World. I think that would be pretty cool. (laughs) They could do some cool shit there. Yeah, yeah. You you could do uh, the Quatermass 12 at Disney World. Or I guess, uh, I don't know, what theme park does... Who even owns Warner now? Is it... No, AT and T doesn't. It's like the Discovery Channel owns it now. I don't know. Probably. Yeah. I don't. I don't. I can't keep up with all that. But surely, surely the Discovery Channel has a theme park. Surely. <laughs> sure they do. Yeah. One one thing I would criticize is I thought they they did a a walk this way gag, but you know they they really could have done the walk like an Egyptian gag with that. That would have been fun. That was a little bit of a missed opportunity. Or how about Aerosmith's Walk This Way, Bob? Walk this way. Some things will not survive to the 31st century, Matt. Some things are going to be lost to the sands of time. Uh, You're probably right on that one. I mean, if if any Aerosmith song was going to survive, it would be Love in an Elevator. Or Dude Looks Like a Lady. That one's real. uh, (laughs) That one's okay to play in today's society. That one's already not survived, man. I don't know what you're talking about. I've I've never heard of that. All right, um, so let, going back to the episode, Bob, let's talk about their fears for a second. You already mentioned that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, let's talk about each 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 character's fears. You've got, I'm going to start with Saturn Girl. She has a fear of roller coasters, which I thought was just mm-hmm. really random. Uh, hey, man, you can't hit it out of the park every time, right? Like, not, yeah, a, not every like, fear can reveal something deep and personal about the character. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, she's afraid of, of, of large rides. Okay. And then you've got, uh, hit me with, 
Lightning Lad? Because you you've mentioned that there was something important with Lightning Lad Sphere that I didn't really catch on to. Did you notice a beast, Matt? I mean, I did notice a the beast, yes. beast. And that's yeah, that's, that's, the gonna, that's the important thing. So that's going to come back and like or kick his ass or something. Okay, or that's something that haunts him. Yes, the All lightning right. beast haunts him. Yes, that's exactly. Okay, bouncing boy's fear was being trapped within the horror movies. Correct, that was his thing. I think that was right. Yeah, 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 yeah. He like got he was in Alien basically, and then Brainiac Five's fear was that it, he would get uploaded into like the consciousness of the other Brainiacs. <laughs> that was my take. Like he's a board yeah, or that, some shit. Yeah, that seems about right. That seems okay. about right. We're like, aren't, they're they're kind of like irritated at him for like not remaining on Kalu, right? That's the yes. that's the thing. Yeah. Yeah, and then she changed it. I, I, my understanding was they were downloading his consciousness into them, which was like a, an assimilation type thing, because he changed colors, which is I guess how mm-hmm. they delineate that. All right, so you got that part. You got it, and then Superman. I, I guess is this his first exposure to Kryptonite? Because they drop him on top. Well, other than you know, we mentioned it with when Brainiac pulled out his kryptonite thing that one time, the little like the ring yeah, that he had. Yeah, we see here that in the Phantom Zone episode, right? We see here that Superboy is on top of what looks like a green kryptonite thing, and he can't move, mm-hmm. and he's confused. And then the Brainiac, Brainiac sphere or whatever, tells him, "Oh, you have a lot to learn." So my take on that was that he really doesn't know how what kryptonite does to him yet, and he's still learning. But it is a big fear. I, I just took it more as like Brainiac was trying to play it as this kind of lesson in how like Superboy can't save everyone. Right, I mean, yeah, that was Brainiac 5's overall lesson. It was kind of like a trolley problem yeah. is how he can save. Yeah. You can't save, you can save me or you can save everyone. Which one do you want to, I mean, everyone else. Yeah. And then, of course, Brainiac yeah. 5 no, has I mean, a backup because he's a damn robot. <laughs> it, it is an interesting theme that so many of these episodes are like structured around like Superboy getting introduced to a concept or learning a lesson. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I think that's the whole point, though, is that Superboy is learning to be Superman. Indeed. Indeed. Deep. Uh, deep. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the oh, the dramatic pedagogy. It yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so did you have a, a favorite non-Superboy Legionnaire this week, Matt? Uh, as much as it pains me to say, I'm going to go with Brainiac, just because... I got to see that badass design again of his like robot suit. It's pretty cool. Well, I skipped over this, but since you picked Brainiac, I guess I need to uh, to go back to it. Uh, and I think I wrote this Thirst Watch question before the Phantom Zone episode answered some questions about Thirst Watch, but still, I, I'm going to pose it to you. So you're, you're you're seeing the Superboy Brainiac Thirst, right? Oh yeah, it's it's more uh, it's more in your face now. Yeah, yeah, it's really there. It's really there. Um, Speaking of uh, subtext, I also really enjoyed Brainiac uh, saying when he's like having his Kalu horror, you know, vision or Kalu fear vision that he would, quote, never interface with a strange computer without a backup. There was a lot of subtext to that, too. Yeah, it kind of was it was kinda like a condom joke. Very much so. Very much yeah, so. Yeah. And then uh, my, my favorite uh, non-Legionnaire, uh, my non- favorite non-Superboy Legionnaire would be Bouncing Boy, I think. Yeah, Bouncing Boy had a pretty good part in this episode. I, I kind of appreciated it. He was, he was interesting for what he is. Yeah, he's certainly more more well-developed in this cartoon than he has been at any point in the comics. <laughs> well, congratulations, Bouncing Boy. We know 
Last week we learned that you come from the planet uh, Pepto Bismol or some shit like that. No, 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 no. no, no, no that was the other guy. Lad. Never mind. That was the eating lad. That was the matter eating lad. Never mind. Sorry, sorry, Ma- bouncing boy. Matter eater lad. Yes, he's fr- and it's just it's just the planet Bismol. Thank you very much. <laughs> now does bouncing boy come from like Flubber or some shit like that? No, no. He well, so he's one of the legionnaires who it's he's not a part of a species that has a power. He's just a normal Earth human. But if I remember the uh, origin right. He was delivering a serum for a mad scientist, but he stopped to watch a boxing match. Oh, damn it, bouncing boy. Then he accidentally drank the serum instead of the soda he had bought to drink, and so the serum turned him into bouncing boy. Oh, damn, I hate when that happens. It's rough. Yes, sadly, I don't, I don't think the show is going to do a whole episode revealing bouncing boy's origin, which would be choice. I want that gritty reboot of Bouncing Boy. <laughs> well, weirdly, or Bouncing Boy's like, family is held at gunpoint. <laughs> like he's like, "Do you bounce, boy? Do you bounce?" And he's like, "I bounce, I bounce." And he jumps out the window and like he's like, "Whoa!" And then his like powers come into play. It's gonna be awesome. So two interesting little factoids of Legion trivia. Um, I can't remember if it's the first or the second issue where uh, the legion of superheroes is like in the in like the regular feature in adventure comics it's like their first regular appearing gig but either in the first or the second issue of them regularly appearing bounce the bouncing boy origin literally is the story so it's like you got to lead with your best foot forward the bouncing boy origin story and then the second point would be um you know, you don't really ever get your dream of a gritty uh, bouncing boy story, but in the I believe the early seventies or the late sixties, you do get a, a gritty matter eater lad story where you like it's apparently loosely based on like the life of the writer who was like seventeen or some shit when he wrote it, Jim Shooter, and it's matter eater lad learning about how his dad is like a gambling addict and like protecting him from some mobsters that he owes money to. Well. I feel, like, I feel like the gritty review would be like, <laughs> Matter, your lad's dad is at the casino and he's like used up all their money so they have nothing else to eat. So Matter Boy just starts eating like stuff in the house. Like that's his origin. And then and then, do you know what his uh, father whispers to him before he dies? No. Matter eater lad. Hell yeah. <laughs> yeah. Then he what, shoots him a bird or something. Like, like it's like, Oh no, it's it's a joke about I haven't read it, but it's a joke. It's the Tom King kite man joke. Yeah, oh yeah, 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 yeah. For about time. Yeah. You know, we need well, apparently there's an entire tragic backstory for behind the catchphrase kite man. Hell yeah, it's not self-explanatory. You need an entire backstory for it. Everyone needs an entire backstory, Bob. Everyone. All right. Speaking of backstories, Matt, should we transition over to Strange New Worlds, where Christopher Pike's backstory continues to dictate the action? Yes, let's talk about. This episode with its really crappy title, Lift Us Where Suffering Cannot Reach. I mean, at least they had a pretty good explanation that it's from, like, you know, these, these people's sacred texts or whatever. So it makes sense. All right. So in the A plot, Pike reencounters an old flame, Minister Alora, whose advanced planet, Majalis, has a medical technology that could solve both Pike and Mbinga's approaching medical tragedies. And then in the B-plot, Uhura suffers under the supervision of Nuni and Singh and her rules of security. Or, or excuse me, it's her lessons of security. All right, so I'm going to go ahead and throw this out here, Bob. This episode, I only really like the B-plot. I appreciated them continuing this thing with Uhura where she is 
able to go to you know different parts of the ship, different positions, and learn how they work, which is what a cadet should do. Yeah, it's a good gimmick for varied storytelling too. And and it does get you Hora on the bridge with these main characters, so you know she is part of what's going on. Uh, but it, it, there's a you know a plot reason for her to be there. I will go ahead and criticize though the scene where they want her to fire the phaser and she like destroys the ship. I thought that was a little weird. I'm like, why could they not let you know their actual you know security person handle that? But <laughs> I, it was almost to the point where I thought there was going to be like some sort of in-story explanation because there were like two different scenes like that. There was the scene where Uhura accidentally misfires the phaser, and right. then there's the scene where Lieutenant Mitchell has the doesn't get the tractor beam off the cruiser in time, and the cruiser blows up. And I I don't know I I don't. I, I think it was just, you know, supposed to illustrate the high stakes of the situation, but it was just kind of weird in execution because in both cases it, it kind of wound up making like Uhura and Mitchell look a little stupid, which I don't think was like the intention. Yeah, she's like, I was just trying to graze it. And I'm like, eh, this is not cool. Like you just blew up a ship. Like I felt like the rest of the episode was going to be the trial of Uhura or some shit like that. Like, <laughs> but it, it didn't go anywhere. <laughs> It is very realistic to like, you know, actual like Navy ships that mistakes happen all the time. And it wouldn't be, there wouldn't be anything criminal about it because the ship already had like fired on them. Right. And Pike Pike points that out like right after it happens. So that's when I was like, okay, they're not going to go anywhere with this. But it was a weird setup to really go anywhere. Yeah. Yeah. I I will say Noonien Singh is a great character, but my God, she's a psychotic boss. Oh, she's crazy. She's uh, a, this reminded me of the episode, there's an episode where, uh, of The Office where Michael, Michael, the the boss, teaches uh, Mm -hmm. Ryan the temp all the different, like, lessons of being a businessman, and that was a very (laughs) similar setup. (laughs) Dare dare we call it the Ferengi rules of acquisition? Yeah, yeah, yeah. it was was interesting. But, uh, yeah, very parallel, it was kind of funny how that that worked out. I I want to throw something out here, Bob, at the beginning of this, when we're talking Strange New Worlds. I got Babylon 5 vibes from this episode, big time. Like, if there was ever an episode of Star Trek where I was like, huh, this is a lot like Babylon 5, this one would be it. And I'm going to throw one episode out there, Bob. Oh, is this is this just triggering your memories of the faith healing from season one of Babylon 5? Is that what this Believers, is? Bob. Believers. This is Believers. Done better, but it's Believers. And the Great Machine, all wrapped into one. Um, I would say more than... More than believers, there's a Ursula Le Guin story called "The Ones Who Walk Away from Omalas," and this is basically just that. Uh, like, it's the the whole story is like a thought experiment about if like the suffering of you know one child like justified an entire regime of like happiness and plenty, would it be justifiable? And you know they're mo- most accepted, and then they're the ones who don't accept it. Hence, the ones who walk away. And, you know, we kind of have that with, like, the colony and the father of the kid in in this episode. Yeah, for those of you who don't know what I'm talking about, if, you go, if we go back into our, our archive, basically, the first season of Babylon 5 versus DS9, there was an episode of B5 we covered called Believers, where there's this child who is sick, but for religious reasons, they will not allow Dr. Franklin to operate on him, and he's going to be, like, a sacrifice. No, it, it, no, 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 no. It's totally, it's totally different, though, because... That, like, that's, like, superstitious nonsense that should not be tolerated <laughs> on the station. Okay, Whereas so how is this, this not? Like, the, 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 child's, the, child's sac- the child sacrifice demonstrably does underlie the safety and security of the planet. Oh, like, please. Like, the Bob. first one, it, the, fir- 
the, this is a trolley problem, whereas believers is about how far does how far do you extend religious freedom? Yeah, but like even totally Pike point different. even Pike points out at the end, Bob. Pike's like, you do this all just for your society. Like you have this kid, or you're like, be punished, so you guys can continue to advance. It, 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 yeah, but know. the society actually advances. In believers, <laughs> the society doesn't advance. The kid just dies of a treatable medical illness. Yeah, but I mean, what if they would have had like you know something that we didn't? They they were. Then it would have been a totally different episode. It wouldn't have been the same episode. But if they had an advancement in a different area that wasn't medicine, like if the people in Believers had a different advancement that wasn't medicine, like they don't. We don't know that. We didn't go into that much detail with it. It's possible. No, like Believers. Believers is clearly modeled on like the problem with like Christian scientists and other like other crazy cults who don't believe in extending medical treatment to their children. Like it's, it's based on like a real social issue where like, there is no benefit from the, from not extending the treatment where like what you're talking about in this episode is like, is like, no, like sacrificing the child actually has like measurable empirical effects. It's a we have to sacrifice this child. I'm just saying. Yes, Bobby. they clearly do. <laughs> well, Bob's, oh, you are you are so literally. This is what you took away from that episode. Is this oh is man, they, it's a shame that they made up this religion where they have to sacrifice this child. Yes, exactly. They have to sacrifice this kid and plug him into the machine. Oh my God! I'm I I have to watch this episode again with people on Sunday night, and I cannot <laughs> wait to see to see when everybody watches it and nobody gets that <laughs> from this. And that's why this podcast is awesome, Bob. <laughs> you this is actually I'm giving you new this. insight. This is not something that you you're just sticking on to troll me. No, Bob. I'm telling you, this episode reminded me of Believers. I'm watching it. I'm like, this is like Believers. There's a lot of the same stuff going on here. A lot of the same ideas. I think you like, could easily take both of those episodes and compare them and come up with some pretty pretty good stuff, like as far as I, that goes. Like I agree that like there are some similarities in terms of both episodes spend a lot of times in like the sick bay or the medical bay. Both episodes <laughs> deal with like the religion around it. They but, both like, have credit you, sequences. <laughs> But if you can't see the clear central philosophical difference between those two, that's insane. I can see it, Bob, but I'm just saying, both involve a child dying or or being sacrificed for religion. Yes, and in one case, the child could not die and everything would be fine. And in the other case, the child could not die and the society would collapse and fall into a pit of lava. Very different things. Very different things. We're just gonna have to agree to disagree, Bob. I'm gonna, inv- I'm gonna invoke another, an, another, uh, p- another joint that we covered in the past. Do you remember the uh, the DS9 episode where Keiko and Kai, or she's not Kai yet, but where Keiko and Vedic Wind go round and round about creationism and how to teach the Bajoran wormhole aliens? Yes, that was the season finale of, of season one. Yes, yes. You're acting like Keiko in that episode. Where you, you, <laughs> You want to be an atheist about something that's demonstrably real. I'm not saying you have to share the religion of the people of this advanced planet, but like clearly it, like it's something real. Like, you know, in the same sense that like you don't have to worship the prophets, 
but the prophets are clearly like real things that Keiko just she she's talking as if the prophets are something that the Bajoran people made up when clearly they're an empirical reality who affect the world. Did you see any empirical reality here that affected their society? Oh my god, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't see anything crazy other than that stupid machine. That was about it. Like, All I know is they had some little kid go into Ascension, and the kid was super smart. Now he's a waste sitting in a machine, all hooked up to, like, you know, so energy zapping. Oh, and I, I don't want to say something, Bob. I'm going to just stop the podcast right here, because you compared me to Kiko. That's not cool. Yes, I did. You take that shit back. <laughs> I am not Kiko. You're, you're both school teachers? Yeah. <laughs> Shut both, up. Stop both, making the stupid both. comparisons. <laughs> I, don't like to, I don't like to go out. I, I, hate, I hate doing yard work, so I'm not like her. I don't like the... I don't like grass you, you, and all that stuff. You, you both <laughs> run afoul of religious orthodoxy, and you're both stubbornly clinging to your atheism while a being that calls itself God is talking to you. Now, I'm not saying <laughs> if a being that calls itself God talks to you, Matt, you can't ask questions. You can't refuse to treat him as a deity. That's fine. You can't ask, what, what does God need with a starship? That's a very relevant question. But I'm just saying you can't go on in your normal kind of like secular humanist understanding once that's happened. All right, Bob. I see where you're going with this. I get it. I disagree. Speaking of godlike beings, Matt, I have a great transition. Go for it, Bob. <laughs> so, uh, you think there's any chance that uh, Lieutenant Jenna Mitchell, the navigator, who I think first appears in this episode, might be a relative or maybe a spouse of, of old Gary Mitchell? Gary Mitchell? God, they love that name, Gary. It's a good name. No, I, I don't think so, Bob. I think it's just a coincidence. Uh, I, th I think it could be, but I mean, yeah, it's not like Mitchell is an uncommon name. Right. It it's this would be especially funny since I believe the actress playing uh, Lieutenant Jenna Mitchell is Asian or Asian-American. It would be very funny if uh, they recast uh, Gary Mitchell as an Asian-American and the racist fans got upset. I would enjoy that. Or a black Asian. That would make it even better. Please oh, that would be it. even better. Yeah. Please. <laughs> Yeah, I, I will say I pretty much called that this planet was doing child sacrifice as soon as yeah, the yeah, did, Bob. dad starts talking about sacrifice. Yeah, so yeah, I, I, yeah. I was proud yeah. of myself. Yeah, kind of like the Have dad believers. Yeah, yeah, keep yeah. going. Have you ever seen the movie Midsummer, Matt? No, Bob, I've never seen this film. My God, you're such a, I, I, you're such I a know, Philistine. I know, I, don't, I watch stupid shit, Bob. I mean, come on. You when I'm not watch watching this stuff, I'm watching, I'm watching Obi-Wan. Oh, God, I mean... <laughs> I can't, I can't even be mad at you anymore. It's just like you're punching yourself in the face. And I'm just staring at you going, why are you punching yourself in the face? And Matt's like, well, if I don't punch myself in the face, American civilization will collapse. And I'm just like, but Matt, can't you see American civilization is already <laughs> collapsing? You can stop watching Obi-Wan. Yeah, just like you don't have to sacrifice that kid. It's going to collapse anyway. Yeah, yeah, that, that was the joke, Matt. That was the yeah, joke. I get it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. See, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Um, what was I gonna, no, what, what, we'll say this though, Bob, you didn't, we're not going to watch Obi-Wan. We're not doing an episode on Obi-Wan. That's so stupid. If we're going to do any episode, it's going to be like a funny episode because that show is not okay. Um, okay. I mean, I, I wasn't planning on watching it. Now I almost kind of want to watch it. <laughs> just, 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 cause you think it might be the best thing ever because of my opinion of this stupid yeah. episode. <laughs> like, Either either that or because I just want to hurt you. Those are oh. e e either option. Could o Obi Wan is Obi Wan is not good, and uh, I I just yeah. 
I can't get through it. I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm going to watch it because I have Disney Plus. Oh, man. Once again, I have to, like, you know, put reason, put up, have a reason to have all these streaming services. But Jesus, it's just like, ugh. The, the fact that you're doing this to yourself uh, now is somewhat inspiring me to at least try it to see how much I, uh, to see if I hate it or if it would be hilarious and I actually like this one. Yeah, I don't, my brother enjoyed the first episode and then he said the rest of them, there have been four episodes so far, he didn't like the rest, I didn't care for it from the get-go and just flat out told him that. Uh, better, better or worse than um, uh, Moon Knight? Uh, probably better. Uh, Moon Knight was a bomb. Yeah, Moon Knight was real bad. And then uh, better, I didn't watch this, but better or worse than the Book of Boba Fett? Probably about on the same level. I oh, I, I didn't, I didn't realize of, you were so anti Book of Boba Fett. I wasn't a huge fan of Book of Boba Fett just because of some of the dumb shit they put in the in that in the story and the pacing and everything that ha- it, it's just I don't feel like mm-hmm. it was done very well. Fair I enough. think there Fair I think enough. there were better like expanded universe stories they could have gone with that would have been way better. So that's the problem with all this. You have all these legacy books that are way better than like these Disney Plus shows that are trying to do their own thing. But Matt, the character who's not a character, who's just an action figure, is really interesting, especially when he no longer has the armor for which he's a famous action figure. That's when yeah. you really know you have a hit on your hands. Yeah, and spoilers, when he becomes a Tuscan Raider. Yeah. Oh, uh, oh. Uh. Yeah. Okay. okay. <laughs> I see what they did there. I see what they uh, did there. Yeah, you see, it's, it's so entertaining. I will, uh, to get us back on track a little bit, I will say I appreciated the, there was a nice little symmetry here where uh, Sam Kirk makes a cameo, uh, you know, describes himself as conflict averse, disappears, and then Pike gets lucky in the next scene. I, I thought that was a kind of like ironic little parallel. Yeah, it was good to see Sam Kirk again. We haven't seen him since the first episode. I thought he would make appearances every episode. Did not happen. Well, we saw him. We saw him in the Children of the Comet episode. Oh, that's right. I'm sorry. We saw him in two, the first two episodes. Yeah. I forgot we yeah. saw him at the end of the first. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And then I also just wanted to throw in a little criticism of our boy Chris Pike, whom I love. Like Space Daddy's great, but man, he does the worst pillow talk in the game. Like Kirk would be deeply ashamed of him. Well, you see who he's working with. I mean, yeah. Apparently, in par- in my, in my mind, she's just a murderer. In your mind, she's a deeply deluded murderer. Yeah. <laughs> At the very end, he's like number one now, like just to beam out. I was like, <laughs> such an asshole. That'll show her. Doesn't even say bye. I mean, say what you will about Pike's pillow talk, but like Kirk, he knows how to hit it and quit it. Yeah, I did get those kind of vibes from this. Like, I felt like we had some Kirk stuff going on when, uh, you know, he was flirting with her and ended up betting her. Yeah, but they did kind of soften it by, like, the pre-existing relationship. So it wasn't like they fell into bed, like, 30 seconds after meeting each other, which is how it would go if it were Jim Kirk. I will say, I don't know what breathing stones are, but I'm really glad that Uhura doesn't have to look under them. Yeah, I'm assuming they were, like, really hot or some shit like that. Oh, yeah. That that would make sense. Maybe the smoke (laughs) is the breath. I don't know. Yeah. Also, do you remember in Discovery Season 2, didn't they, like, really emphasize that Pike, like, studied religions, like, academically? I don't know. I, I got, I thought that was uh, Sheridan. <laughs> but that maybe. is Sheridan to keep yeah. the B5 themes. Or was it Sheridan or is it Sinclair? Well, Actually, Sinclair then, but, I mean, Sinclair and Sheridan. You know, well, no, I just, I just mean it was both. Because, like, Sinclair, yeah. you have him do, like here's all the Earth's religions to meet the aliens. And then you also have, like, Sheridan being into, like, New Age stuff and conspiracy theory stuff and Buddhism. Right. Okay. 
Okay. I feel like in like maybe the first or second episode of Discovery Season 2, they really emphasize Pike like studying religions. Maybe maybe I'm misremembering that. But just given that fact or given that thing that I'm thinking may be a fact, it's pretty funny that it takes Pike so long to recognize a child sacrifice ritual. Um, like you'd, you'd, you think he might kind of feel what's coming. I don't know. That, See, that well, after weird. watching Believers, I knew it the minute the kid showed up on the damn station. I was like, that kid, he's going to die. <laughs> I'm not going to uh, dignify that with a response. <laughs> I also think since this episode is clearly ripped off, not from Babylon 5, but from that Ursula Le Guin story, the ones who walk away from Omelas, I was going to talk about the moral and philosophical dilemma that uh, that story raises some, but clearly you you just believe that these people are crazy and that it's for a reason. So, um, well, thank you, Bob. I appreciate them. that. I don't need to hear your, yeah. your garbage. <laughs> you're, you're spared, but don't worry. I'll have a lot of garbage next week, no matter what it is. I'll find some garbage to throw in. Well, when you. all your friends get together and have their little stag party and watch Star Trek and Strange New Worlds together, you make fun of my comparison. Just remember, I'm saying. Remember, we, I'm saying. Fuck we, you. We definitely, we definitely will. We definitely, will, we we definitely will. And I thank you for describing it as a Star Trek stag party. That, that's that's actually a very flattering description. Yeah. <laughs> I I will just say that to, to before we go to our final segments, I actually did think it was kind of cool that in I feel like in original series Star Trek or Next Gen or Voyager. This episode would have hinged on whether Pike stopped the sacrifice or whether he like respected the Prime Directive. But here the question is not like will he stop it because he can't. The question is will he like accept it, especially <coughs> given the potential. He could have stopped it in Believers, so it's not even a remotely similar comparison. Jesus fucking Christ. <laughs> All right. So, Bob, very important thing here. I've got my character of the week. My character of the week, Bob, goes to Pike, and here's why. In the very mm -hmm. first scene when he's on the turbo lift, that man's hair is like eight inches off his head. I, I thought it was supposed to be a joke, but I didn't realize, as someone who doesn't have hair anymore, I was very surprised like how far up his you, hair goes. You didn't know hair could do that. I was amazed. That man has a lot of gel in his hair. Was it was it that you didn't know that hair could do that, or that you'd forgotten that hair? Could I'd do that? forgotten that hair could do that, Bob, because I don't I don't have hair to do that anymore with. But like it was a damn like he had the biggest pompadour I've ever seen in my life. I know I know one way we could get your hair back. How, Bob? Child sacrifice. Child sacrifice is bad, Bob, and we're not doing that. I, I just mean I just mean we would cut the kid's hair and make <laughs> a wig out of it, Matt. Jesus Christ! I don't want to wear a little What's kid's wrong hair. With you? <laughs> I would take Pike's uh, now. If you want, now do we have to? Can we not sacrifice Pike and just take his hair? I'd take his hair. No, Matt. He, his hair means too much to too many of us, myself included. Apparently. All right, Bob. Who was your character of the week? <laughs> well, it was going to be somebody else, but uh, I, to thumb my nose at you, uh, I'm going to go with Minister Alora because you know I think she's a rational woman making a rational, if uh, deeply uncomfortable, <laughs> moral decision. So there you go. Also, she deserved better than that creepy pillow talk Pike was laying down. Yeah. All right, Bob. My episode of the week this is the first year, Bob, goes to Fear Factory. It was so straightforward for my uh, my little mind. I mean, Matt, I think that's a lie, and I think we all know that your real episode of the week was Believers. No, Bob, I'm never going to watch Believers again. But Believers is that doesn't uh, is... that doesn't mean it's not your episode of the week this week. I'm not saying you have to watch it again. Legion, 
Fear Factory. I'm gonna put I'm gonna put parentheses believers but, <laughs> after that in the notes. Just All so right. if we ever do come back to these notes, we'll remember. I just want you and your stag party. I think you both should watch. I think y'all should watch Believers after you watch this this episode. And I think you're gonna see more than you think you see. I don't know if I can make my friends suffer that much <laughs> just to own you. I mean, owning you is a noble goal, but like, man, Believers is 45 minutes of your life you don't get back. T- take it from me, who's had to watch. I think I've watched that episode three times. Oh damn! You don't get it back. Yeah. yeah. Well, and then Fear Factory was only like 21 minutes. So I appreciated that. Thank you, ADD. And, uh, yeah, yeah. I, uh, God knows, uh, I, I, covering cartoons is so much easier than covering 50 yeah. minute episodes of television. Yeah. <laughs> Ain't that the truth, huh? All right, Bob, what was your episode of the week? You know, the one that wasn't Believers and wasn't Fear Factory. I don't want to say the title again. Lift us where suffering cannot reach. <laughs> yes. A, an episode with only superficial similarities to Believers. And Bob, we didn't even mention, I mean, we mentioned it in the A-plot, but we didn't even talk about him being his kid, possibly, you know, having a cure now, which, that that was a good yeah. part as well. I like that. So, that was there good. were some other positives in this episode, not just the Yeah, stuff. yeah, that was good. And the re- the kind of revelation of how Mbinga, like, does the transporting, where he, like, he just does it on a schedule where she, like, hears the story and then it's beamed, that was, like, sort of creepy, but also sort of, like, charming. I don't know. It, it, it was an interesting little touch. It, it was interesting that they showed uh, him or ranting about the power usage in sickbay in the in the previously or previously on but then himmer wasn't in the episode at all that was kind of an interesting little little quirk yeah i saved a little bit on makeup there yeah yeah that's that's what it's all about all right well this has been the uh, galaxy's most retro futurist podcast although today it was the galaxy's most divisive podcast legion of superheroes versus strange new worlds I am Bob in Cascadia. That is Matt in the Southland. We'll see you again next time. Thanks for listening.